So after the, the session last week, I thought, okay, dependent origination in one, in one sentence. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I kind of said it in different ways last time, but just to repeat that or to say it again, what's dependent origination? What is it that we're really interested in understanding? Dependent origination in one sentence, what we really want to know is that experience is constructed. Yeah. Experience is constructed. It's made up, put together by causes and conditions. And we've just heard different, um, you know, lots of different ways that people have been experiencing this um, over the days. Yeah. And so if we remember that and then kind of go into it. And um, also last week towards the end, someone uh, asked about the relationship between emptiness and dependent origination. And I wasn't, uh, I kind of afterwards felt like I'm not sure how clear I was in my response. So I just want to respond to that and to say um, the way we're exploring it here and now, we can say, is that the map of dependent origination uh, supports, reveals, opens up the understanding of emptiness. Okay, so we can kind of say this is our paradigm. Now the map of dependent origination opens up and supports the understanding of, of emptiness. And, and we could see it, yeah, in just now <laughs> in some of the things that were shared. Right, that question about you know when when there's when I'm when I hear a sound, where is the sound actually happening? Yeah. That's here's here's an exploration of emptiness. Where, where is it actually happening? Would it be it? Does it actually happen if there's no one there hearing it? Yeah, like that's you know a classic contemplation. Yeah, or when I don't get sucked in to stimulation yeah when i kind of stay spacious stay receptive when i don't escalate yeah then the reality the experience changes the sense of reality of things changes they become a little lighter and looser yeah so these are just some examples for things that people shared yeah these are all yeah gateways into understanding emptiness well, that's kind of the the relationship. So very, very interrelated, <laughs> very much connected and often kind of interwoven with each other. But for I think the best definition for us right now, the best way of describing the relationship dependent origination as a map. Yeah, that supports the understanding of emptiness. So I just wanted to kind of um, just touch, hopefully briefly, on uh, a little bit of the historical kind of background of this map. So the Buddha didn't actually come up with these links. <laughs> yeah. They actually um, were already present before him in, uh, in the Vedic uh, tradition. Yeah. And in the Vedic tradition, they're described uh, as the um, kind of process of birth and rebirth. Okay. And so sometimes the Buddha didn't use them that way, but sometimes in the tradition, in different ways, they're viewed in that way. Yeah. That this is actually talking about birth and rebirth. Yeah. And we can take that to mean, you know, the birth of experience in every moment. We can take it to mean reincarnation. Yeah. 
So I just wanted to refer to that because if you go around reading other things and hearing other things, maybe you already have, that may be confusing. That's not how I'm teaching it. That's not how I'm relating to it. Yeah, as a as a kind of a map of, of rebirth from one life to the next. Yeah. I am very much uh, relating to it as the kind of the birthing of experience in every moment. Yeah, the creating of or every sequence of moments. Yeah. That's kind of um, can be quite interesting. Yeah. And so we apply, yeah, we apply this map to our experience. And that's what we've been doing. Yeah. We've heard it from, from each other. Yeah. So we can see, for example, that um, we can see some of the relationships, the mutuality, right? There can't be contact without consciousness. Yeah. It's a little bit like what Zoe was exploring. Yeah. There can't be contact without a sense organ. Right? It can't be a sound if there's no hearing. Yeah. And so we can see sometimes some of these relationships are quite clear. Um, and at the same time, you know, this whole map is, uh, it's not personal. I think this is one of its strengths. Yeah. It's not, this isn't, you know, my story or your story. Yeah. In particular, it's our story. It's the way human experience is fabricated. It's the way human experience is constructed. And so as we uh, bring our inquiry, bring our investigation to this map, um, we can start to cut through yeah? ignorance. And if you remember, ignorance is the first link. Yeah? You can start to cut through that ignorance. Um, and we can start to bring um, more space, more clarity, more wisdom to our life and to, you know, the very moment that is unfolding right now. And it's interesting because the more space we have, and, and you could hear it in some of the sharings just now, the more space there is, there's actually more intimacy. Yeah. But that's not, sometimes that's not how we think. Yeah. We think our uh, more space the more, means more distance. Right. But actually, it's as if when there's more spaciousness, the whole, we actually grow, <laughs> become bigger, and we can kind of, make more contact with more things yeah actually come closer through not reaching for yeah to use cherry's example that's quite interesting yeah? so a lot of this can be counterintuitive yeah and so more spaciousness brings more intimacy um and then at the same time less identification yeah Less identification, less ident identification with myself, um, you know, with what's good for me. Um, and also, as we've been saying, less um, identifying and limiting uh, others and phenomena into a particular thing or isness. So that, that's a few general things, which hopefully are not too confusing, only a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. I've been teaching all day, so excuse me if I, if, I, if I start getting silly. So, uh, as I said earlier on today, uh, I'd like to explore Vedana 
um, a little bit more. And uh, maybe I'll confess, Vedana is one of my favorites. So uh, part of, of, of the great thing about, you know, not doing all the links is that I can do my favorites um, for me. And so Vedana, V-E-D-A-N-A, -A, um, another, another one of those Pali words uh, that it's better not to translate. <laughs> So I'll just play around, explain what it means, but we'll keep calling it Vedana. Okay. Most common translated translation is feeling tone. Yeah, Vedana, feeling tone. Now that's the most common translation. I find it more confusing than Vedana, actually. You know, what is a feeling tone? Yeah. So let's let's look into it. Let's explore it a little bit more. Um, Akinchano, who's uh, teaches at Guy House quite a lot, um, he translates it as hedonic tone, which I think is actually a much better translation. Yeah. So hedonic meaning where is it on the spectrum of pleasure? Yeah. So a tone as just a kind of a vibration we can say that's there. Yeah. And then where is it on this spectrum of, of pleasure? Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Or is it neither one or the other? Yeah, not strongly enough pleasant, not strongly enough unpleasant to register as either one of those. And it's just somewhere in the middle. Um, and I call the, the uh, you know, traditionally, again, the neither pleasant nor unpleasant is often referred to as neutral. Yeah, uh, that, that can sometimes be a little confusing. I, I like to call it the uneventful because it's just not eventful enough to, to, to kind of pull our attention, yeah, uh, to categorize it to pleasant or unpleasant. So it's, it's kind of really helpful just to remember it's somewhere in the middle. And as human beings, we actually don't like middles very much. Yeah, we're much more interested in, in kind of more extreme, more definite things. So Vedana uh, is very um, appears quite a lot in the Buddhist teachings in different ways. I'm just going to name them just to kind of people like me who like lists. <laughs> so Vedana is one of the foundations of mindfulness. Yeah. So one of the four foundations of mindfulness. Um, it's also uh, one of the five aggregates, meaning one of the five uh, kind of heaps of heaps that we tend to identify with as who we are. Yeah. So that sense of um, feeling tone, uh, hedonic tone, that sense of it's pleasant or unpleasant, we actually, as we can see in the dependent origination um, links, yeah, chain, we, we, we build our identity around that. Yeah? So the identity of the self gets built around that. And uh, as was already said uh, with the questions, it happens unconsciously. Yeah, this is a, it's like a process of categorization. Yeah, that's also another really helpful way to see it. Things get categorized. Yeah, with the contact, there's the categorization. A sound arises and it's categorized. Yeah, pleasant. Yeah, I want more of it. Unpleasant, I need it to go away. Yeah, not particularly pleasant or unpleasant, I probably don't notice it doesn't register yeah and what happens then if it doesn't register i look for something else that will yeah so we can see we're always being propelled by vedana whatever it is yeah it propels us yeah. 
towards getting something, pushing something away. And so it has, uh, it's, it's a very powerful player in the buildup of experience, this, this subtle aspect of the categorizations, a very powerful um, aspect, and we can use it. Yeah. So even though it happens unconsciously, we can use it. We can tune into it. We can recognize what the Vedana is. Yeah. And when we can recognize it, just like with the contact, we can stay. Yeah with that level of experience which really stops um really stops the escalation the build-up so um let's let's give an example yeah of this um let's just stay with sound because yeah yeah i think it was this morning yeah i'm in the north of israel at the moment this morning there were some um fighter jets yeah going through the sky and they fly quite low and they're very very loud yeah unpleasant <laughs> there's sound right there's sound there's contact with the sound and unpleasant yeah vedana is really clear yeah if you notice what happens in those situations yeah so the vedana is unpleasant very quickly from the unpleasant there's a you know there's a shrinking in yeah we we we, we contract we want to get away from it yeah so the unpleasant becomes, um, you know, this is unpleasant. I don't want it. It's unbearable. Yeah. I need to get rid of it. Yeah. Why are they flying over me? Yeah. <laughs> Who planned this? Yeah. I'm going to write to the council, whatever. Yeah. We can have this build up. So from that initial contact, then the Vedana, and then the escalation. Yeah, let's take another example, maybe much more common to all of us than fighter jets. Um, pain in the body when we're meditating. Yeah. And let's not take a big pain. Let's just say, you know, just a, a mild discomfort, tickle, itch, um, foot falling asleep. Yeah, something like that. So there's contact. Yeah, we notice the sensation. There's a Vedana, unpleasant. Yeah. Then what happens? Yeah. The unpleasant becomes, um, you know, really unpleasant, <laughs> becomes, uh, I really don't like it. I can't stand it. I need to get rid of it. Yeah. Builds up. Yeah. And what do you notice when I use the language? What gets built up with it? The sense of identity, the sense of problem, and the degree of dukkha. Yeah. How much suffering there is in the experience. And if you don't believe it, just try it next time. <laughs> yeah, next time there's discomfort in the meditation. Gonna happen soon enough. Yeah, just notice what happens. Yeah, same with the pleasant. Yeah, say, you know, we're having something really nice. I don't know, chocolate ice cream or a chocolate biscuit, like we were talking before. Yeah, have you ever noticed, um, you know, you take the first bite and it's really lovely, the Vedana's pleasant. Yeah. Um, and I, I have this experience on retreats a lot by the kind of, even during the first mouthful, <laughs> certainly by the second, I'm already planning my strategy to go and get seconds or to have more. Yeah. Ever happened to you when you were on retreat? <laughs> yeah. How do I go for seconds before one o'clock? which is when you're supposed to go for seconds at Guy House. Mm. 
So I'm no longer enjoying, yeah, and I've been propelled into this, yeah, from the pleasant, yeah, it becomes I want, I need, I have to get, and then the strategizing. And there's a sense of me, and there's a sense of what I need to get. There's a sense of the happiness being in the future, because I'm not in touch with the pleasantness right now anymore. Yeah. And there's the dukkha, yeah, because there's contraction in the selfing. So Vedana is a great tool, yeah, for us. It's a great access point to um, be able to stay with that aspect of experience before it builds up. And as you can see in this last example that I gave, we can actually um, increase, <laughs> we, we actually gain, yeah, because we can stay with a pleasant and enjoy it, yeah. The unpleasant doesn't build up, yeah, because the way we typically pay attention or don't pay attention to it means it gets worse, it escalates. Um, so there's less build up or no build up at all. Yeah. Now, I really remember, um, I don't know why some things sometimes really stick in the mind. Um, but I remember someone coming to me. I was pretty early on in my um, practice of being a teacher, uh, a Dharma teacher. And I had just given instructions on Vedana. And later that day, someone came for an interview and they said, I just need to tell you, you know, someone who had practiced it a lot. And he said, the unpleasant can just be unpleasant. <laughs> He'd been practicing with Vedana all day, and he said, the unpleasant can just be an unpleasant. He was almost in tears. Yeah, It doesn't need to become suffering. Yeah. What an insight. Yeah, It doesn't need to become suffering. Yeah. And pleasant, you know, like the words of William Blake, you know, often quoted in Dharma talks, kiss the joy as it flies. We can enjoy the pleasant yeah. without turning it into dukkha, which is often, you know, what we do. So the unpleasant can occur without suffering. The pleasant can occur without um, grasping. Yeah. And the uneventful, yeah, the neither pleasant or unpleasant can be open to, yeah. We can actually increase, remember that intimacy? We can increase our intimacy with experience. We can bring more um, interest to things that we normally wouldn't notice. Yeah. Just because <laughs> the intensity of pleasure or unpleasant, of pleasantness or unpleasantness isn't high enough, we don't notice them. Yeah. And it's a whole range opens up for us. Yeah. We can see beauty. We can be moved. We can see kindness. Yeah. Things that we normally just wouldn't be paying attention to. So, so much opening up for us. So I, I hope this is clear and we can see the similarity in the practice between the staying at contact and the kind of staying with Vedana. Both of them are doing the same thing. Yeah. They're stopping that process of, of escalation. And as we do that, we're really freeing ourselves. Yeah. Freeing ourselves from that propelling from that um, habit, yeah, that, that feeds dukkha. And these practices, you know, they really open us up to deeper insight, yeah. What insight? That the dukkha, 
Yeah. And the adukkha, the dukkha and the happiness are not in the object. So unpleasant doesn't mean suffering. The dukkha and the opposite of dukkha, the well-being, are not in the object and they're not in the Vedana. They are in the way of relating. They're in how I'm relating. They're in how um, ignorant or wise I am in the relationship. How present, how clear in my seeing. So we have other possibilities here. We can just feel, you know, feel the pleasant, feel the unpleasant, feel the uneventful, know them and stop the escalation. Yeah. And we can also enjoy the pleasant. Yeah. And we can also open to the unpleasant and relax with it to decrease dukkha. And we can also bring interest to the uneventful. Yeah. So these are counter movements to our habits. So the dukkha is not in the object, and as we already touched on with the questions, neither is the Vedana. This is also such a deep and helpful insight. Yeah. So the dukkha or the well-being are not in the object. They're not in the chocolate biscuit. Sorry. <laughs> I hope that's not bad news. Yeah. The dukkha or the well-being are not in the chocolate biscuit. Um, the Vedana is also not in the chocolate bi- biscuit. The chocolate biscuit does not come with an inbuilt Vedana. Yeah. So some people like chocolate biscuits and some people don't. Yeah. For example. Yeah. So the Vedana is not in the chocolate biscuit. And again, for ourselves personally, as I was saying before, how long will the Vedana stay pleasant of eating chocolate biscuits? At some point it will change. Yeah. Actually changes pretty quickly if you pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it certainly goes to the uneventful very, very quickly. Yeah. So the Vedana is not in the object. So sometimes um, we refer to Vedana as the habit breaker. Yeah, so part of, and again, we've been touching on it with the questions, part of all of this um, is such a strong momentum of habit. Yeah, we, so we have certain Vedanas for certain things out of habit. Yeah, and then the escalation that comes from a particular Vedana is also a habit. It's not a conscious choice. It's not volitional. It's not intentional. It's a, it's kind of a habit. Uh, it's got habit energy, and so we use things like Vedana practice to break those um, habits, to create a gap, and that gap offers us possibility. Yeah. And uh, you know, I have, I love this um, story from Pema Chodron um, around Vedana. I, I really love it, so I'm going to tell it to you. Um, so Pema Chodron, you know, those of you who maybe don't know her. Um, American teacher uh, in the Tibetan tradition and uh, she's she's standing on a boat with her nephew (laughs) and he loves boats and she hates boats okay and so 
she's kind of standing there feeling nauseous and sick and just wanting the experience to be over. He's just loving it, yeah, and feels excited and invigorated and really doesn't want it to end. And then they decide to play a game and they begin to describe each other to each other what they're actually feeling, what the actual sensations are. They break down their experience. Yeah. And here's where it becomes interesting. Yeah. I feel this churning in my belly. <laughs> ah, so do I. <laughs> I feel my heart beating. Yeah. Ah, so do I. Yeah. Um, I feel kind of hot. Yeah. Ah, so do I. Yeah. So the actual experience on the sensation level is the same, but the interpretation is different. Yeah. So the contact, yeah, is the same. The same physical, um, the same physical uh, experiences, the same contact, but same sensations. But the vedana is different. Yeah. With her, it's unpleasant. With him, it's pleasant. Why? Because she hates boats and he loves them. <laughs> Oh, it's the chicken and the egg, the other way around. For some reason, that's the Vedana, and then that feeds, yeah, loving it or hating it. Yeah. And when we see this, yeah, that's where the habits can be broken. You know, we can say, ah, this is just unpleasant. Yeah. Or if we're staying with the contact, this is just the heart beating. Yeah. This is just the belly churning. Yeah. Staying at the contact. It doesn't escalate, doesn't build up. And that means there's possibilities not to follow that habit, but to open up to another possibility. And so sometimes I call Vedana the get out of jail card. You know, Monopoly. Do you like the get out of jail card? I love it. That gives you a sense of power when you have it. Oh yeah, if I get sent to jail, I've got a solution. So Vedana is like that uh, for me. Yeah. And remembering uh, if I'm caught up in something, yeah, if there's a storm going on in my experience, yeah, what happens if I remember Vedana? And I bring my attention to that aspect. And the beautiful thing is we can do it, and this is also true of contact, we can do it as it's happening, but also... A storm might already be, have already been built. The storm is already raging. The escalation has already happened. We're on what we call the Papancha train, the train of escalation and proliferation. Yeah, we're already on it. And then we remember Vedana or we remember contact and we can actually come back to that. It's always available to us, hmm? always available. So we can come back. And we can rest there and we can stay there. Yeah. So we can either trace back or just connect to the Vedana of this moment because there's always a Vedana available. And there's always contact available. When there's an experience, there's contact. When there's an experience, there is Vedana. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah. And we just open to feel. What's the Vedana? Is it unpleasant? Is it pleasant? And if, if, if we don't feel it as one or the other, then it's the third, yeah. it's the uneventful. And how do I bring interest to that?
So that's, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say as an introduction. Thank you for your listening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.